Hello and welcome everyone to the Beacon of Light podcast this evening. Tonight, I am thrilled to have here tonight as my guest, Miss Shelly Phillips. And she is going to just blow your mind on something on a topic that is so needed and so timely. Before we start talking to her, we are going to hop into this. I'm April Tribe Juke. Welcome to the Beacon of Light podcast. I believe we are all made with light, and light is hope. This podcast brings authors who write stories of hope to all of you. Your journey to be inspired and amplified by these stories starts now. And we are back. So welcome to the show, Miss Chelly. Share a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to our amazing audience here, and let's get this conversation started. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So yeah, yeah, I've spent several years in corporate PR, and part of that role has, you know, kind of morphed into internal communications, and we are dealing with all of our employees at that point in time. And so I've been tasked with developing employee development programs and keeping them engaged and keeping them informed about what's going on with that. Before that, I was in newspaper and journalism and even did a little bit of radio news thrown in there. So, you know, becoming an author now the third time over and having such an important topic to talk about like culture has just kind of been the culmination of a journey. I said, because I think I grew up knowing I was going to write somehow. Um, I remember as a kid, doing storybooks with my friend when she, we'd have spend the night parties and like, she was the artist, not me. So she would do all the graphic design and illustrations and I would come up with the story. And so this is just can, kind of been a fun way to bring everything all together and be able to have conversations about topics that I think are vitally important to us. Agreed. And nothing could be more honest than the truth. So you can see I'm pointing here and you'll see running underneath the ticker here is called culture secrets and tell us a little bit about what what culture are we talking about can this apply in multiple situations explain so, yeah so you know this is specifically workplace culture but the secrets that you find in here can carry over into organizations clubs places like that churches it can even go into your family a little bit because culture is if it's done correctly is all based on a series of core values. And there's nothing more that we need in order to get aligned with each other is to agree that these certain sets of values are important to us all. And if we're going to live by that value, we're gonna have a set of behaviors that we're all gonna agree that says, yes, we believe honesty is important. So we're not going to lie and the whole family or the whole business place or your whole colleague set can agree to that, then if we're all agreeing to leave by these same set of rules with the same expectations, then we're building that strong culture. But I think it's vital in the workplace because we spend almost 90,000 hours, that's nine zero thousand hours of our lives at work. So 
what better for us to do than develop a place that we enjoy being, that we feel rewarded for the work that we're doing, that we feel valued for our ideas, and that we enjoy being at. You know, you hate to show up someplace every day where you just feel miserable. So if we can create this culture that puts human, I call it human-centered culture, that we put people first, and when we're making decisions about how our businesses are going to run, everybody's going to be more successful, the employees and the business. So, so, so true. It, it seems <laughs> when you say it like that, you go, duh. Yeah. I, yeah, sure. But what, what's the blocking point? What makes it so hard? What is it? Shelly, like what's happening to the culture? So I think a lot of it, you know, so right now we have multiple generations in the workplace and everybody sees things differently. They hear things differently. We show up to work based on our backgrounds and our values and ideas, you know, are, are, are based on what we grew up believing or being told or the experiences that we had. And we bring all that to work for us. Then you have another set of things going on at work where a lot of people in leadership maybe have come up through the trenches and it's, it's the old do as I say, do like, you know, just do as you're told. Don't ask questions. Don't do these things. Just get the job done. Turn out the number of widgets I need you to turn out and here's your paycheck and just go home. And so a lot of things have shifted in the workplace now. And especially after we've had, you know, COVID where the world shut down for a couple of years and people have had a chance to really think about what is important to them. How do they want to spend their time? And so it's caused a lot of people to really reevaluate. Do I feel valued where I'm at? Do I feel respected? Do I feel like I have the opportunity to grow? Are people listening to me and my ideas? And do I have that sense of collaboration and, and friendship? Because one of the things is a core human belief or a core human want is that we want to be someplace that we feel we belong whether that's at home with our family, whether that's at our church family, or whether that's at work, we want to feel part of a unit. And culture is what can help drive us there. It can be what glues us together and helps us all get on that same page. And then the flip side of that is, you know, a lot of people look at the word culture as it's kind of fluff. And if you look at a lot of, you know, business budgets, you don't see in, you know, a line item on there that says, hey, this is we're going to spend X number of dollars on culture. And you really should, because if you spend the money on culture and you spend the time getting it right, then you're going to see increased profitability, which is going to be great for the business's bottom line. That is so true, um, because we're not all machines. We actually have hearts and feelings and Things can happen that if there's a miscommunication, it needs clarification, but I can't approach that person because these things or my past experience will explain. So I'll just endure patiently swallow the poison and just keep going through. <sighs> Life is too short. Exactly. Can't do that. You can't do that. And I'm going to bring something as part of this. So some of you know Miss Chelly. She has been on this program because, you know, she's a three-time author. So she has been on this program before. And with this new book of Culture Secrets, I wanted to share this little part of her, her background as well. She has worked with youth. 
for such a long time, all of those amazing college women. And so share a little bit about that experience and if it added into this book in any place. So, yeah, definitely. You know, like I was talking just a minute ago about the fact that we're a multi-generational workplace now. And, you know, our millennial generation and even the Gen Z that's coming in there, the Zoomers, you know, how we have to attract them and what they care about is different than, say, what I cared about as a Gen Xer. You know, we were kind of that that latchkey generation. We were very self-sufficient. It's like, I'm, I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to make that. I don't need a lot of supervision. Tell me what to do. Get out of my way. I got this handled. But with this new, newer generation, this younger generation in the workplace, there's a different mindset. And, you know, one of the things that was really interesting when I was doing this work is that some of them will take a lower paying job for a better culture situation. Whereas Gen Xers and baby boomers and those that were in the workplace, it was all about that bottom line, all about that benefit line. What, you know, like, what's my retirement going to be? What's my insurance going to be? And what's my paycheck going to be? And we tolerated a lot more as we were coming up in the workplace than this newer generation was. You know, they've had a lot of, they've watched their parents who, you know, worked 50, 60 hours a week. And then they've gone through a lot of economic struggles where they've seen their parents almost lose their homes and housing booms and different things like that. And so they're trying to balance this out with, I want real world experience. I want life experience. And I want a job too that allows me to be able to do this. But I want a job that I feel valued at, that I feel listened at. So the leadership model is what really has to change to be able to attract this new generation into the workplace. And what you see with this generation is that they're very open to coaching and mentoring, but they're not going to go ask for it. Whereas me, like a Gen Xer, might say, hey, I need this professional development or I need some kind of training. And I'll walk over to a supervisor and say, hey, this is what I need. Can you get it for me? This younger generation is more about you have to kind of approach them and bring them in and let them see and feel that you care about them. And so it's all about making that human connection that, you know, empathy becomes a really big, you know, role in what we're doing. Um, Having communication, you know, like I said, I was a journalist. I've been in PR, I've been writing. So communication is something near and dear to my heart from the very beginning. And, you know, a long time ago, it was whoever had the information had the power in the workplace. And so now we're seeing that that need to be able to share this information out across departments, across the company, and letting people understand how their role or how their exact position actually impacts the bottom line of that company. How is what I'm doing making this company successful? What's the part that I'm playing in it? They want to feel connected to it. And that's our job now as leaders in the workplace to be able to adjust how we lead so that we can really attract, you know, the best and the brightest of this new generation if we want them to come work for us. Well, well said. It's the caring portion is, I I think all of us have wanted to be valued and wanted that caring. Um, As generations have experienced life in different places, we had a whole generation that was truly about sacrifice and survival. And that impacted the world. Are those, the parents of the baby boomers uh, sacrificed and survived 
unbelievable things, which minimizes communication. It just does, because who wants to relive all that? And I don't think uh, there's, there's no blame. It, it is how you could strive and deal with the tools that they had at the time. Then we have these baby boomers, right, who are given because of they because parents saw the sacrifice, had all these things. So they were given opportunities. But with that was definitely the portion of work. And sometimes you just have to push through hard things. The, the value was placed maybe more with the result versus maybe the person. Again, that was the tool, that was the mindset at the time. No fault or blame. I think it is good to look at that history so that now you can see what I have first time, thanks new information, a Zoomer. I like that so much better than Gen Z. I like Zoomer, that's kind of cool. Anyway, we've got this group that has grown up in a world that connection has not really been there. And that's what they're craving. So if you're telling me somebody will take a, we'll just say for numbers, they'll take a $10 job versus a $20 job because at the $10 job, they feel appreciated. Their ideas can be shared and they feel valued they're taking that $10 job. Leaders, that's why people aren't working for you. Maybe you need to change the culture. Um, Speaking of that, uh, do you have a book or something about this? Let, let's talk about this book here. What, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, so Culture Secrets came out the end of April. And, you know, I, I, in the book, I talk about building a value culture. And value is an acronym. And so it call, it's, it, it's based around vision accountability, leadership, the uniqueness of the people, and the engagement that you hope to gain from doing all of these things. And, you know, one of the things I really love in the book is that I was able to interview some of the people that I think are doing it right. And, you know, some of them are, are, are just amazing leaders on their own. And they've been able to take these things and put them into uh, organizations. And you're really starting to see this concept spread um, Richard Sheridan, if you've ever heard of Chief Joy Officer or Joy Inc., he's got a couple of books. He's got this tech company in Michigan that's called Menlo Innovations, and he's got three or 4,000 people a year coming to see how they work as a company because they're so much more productive and having so much more great outcome. And he can, you know, he, he has no issue hiring the best talent coming in there. And it's about the system that they've created. And one of the things he, he told me is that you have to get your people processes right first. If you don't get your people processes right, then everything else is gonna fall short. And then, you know, one of the other things that I really loved, Kevin Monroe was so gracious with his time to be able to talk with me in this book. And one of the things he really shared is how important gratitude is in the workplace about being able to build those collaborative environments that back to that sense of belonging and being part of something bigger than myself. And he, he shared a great quote um, in there. And I think it sums up a lot of what we were talking about is that, you know, for so many years, we've paid people for their hands. But what if we started paying them for their hearts? What difference would that make in the workplace? Instead of me just paying you for how many things that you're going to get ticked off the list or how many things you're going to get created on the assembly line, 
what if you put your heart and soul into it and I paid you for that, what that was worth? Can you imagine the shift that would take place across, you know, the country and the workspace? I mean, you know, you know, I, I, and I, I say that, you know, you know, I'm just amazed at the concept. It's such a simple concept when you really start thinking about it. When you start making your decisions based around the people that are doing the work and you celebrate their uniqueness, you celebrate the differences that they bring to the organization, all the different skills that they have, the different backgrounds that they have, and really, you know, dive into that individuality of what makes them the special person that they are, then when you have a culture that everybody has contributed to and that everybody feels like their special talent, their gift, their whatever contribution is at that point in time matters, then who wouldn't want to be there every day doing whatever you do? And so, you know, that's kind of the crux of the book is that all these great cultures that I was able to be able to go through, disseminate, learn from some of these great leaders, they all shared these five basic ingredients. I call it the secret sauce to building a great culture. And, you know, these are things that we can all emulate. We can all start taking these piece by piece and building them into our organizations and into our businesses. And, you know, when we do that, we, we take care of a lot of the problems. We take care of people who are, you know, leaving for other opportunities, because why would you leave if you have a great place and you're being paid and you're being valued where you are? So you don't have that turnover. You have people not hitting your wellness benefits because they're not out on sick time, because they're not stressed, they're not feeling burnt out, they're not having to use all the wellness, you know, perks that you might have, which helps your bottom line. And when when your employees are satisfied, they're going to tell other people that would are like them that, hey, this is a great place to work. You won't believe what they're doing. You won't believe what we're accomplishing. So you're going to be able to attract great people, which helps you, you know, keep your, your workforce where you need it. And then, you know, ultimately, they're going to be happy employers, pro- employees produce more. And so that goes to the, you know, directly to that bottom line of profitability. And so it really is a win-win for both the employer and the employee. And, you know, that's kind of the journey that the book takes is like there's some responsibilities for leaders. There's responsibilities for, you know, for each of us from the cubicle up. And then, you know, there's the reward at the end of the rainbow that, you know, we're able to do these great things and we can have a fun time doing it with each other as well. That is so true. And it's it's not for lack of trying. How many of you have been on a on a company picnic? See a few hands out there. Were you like dying to get there or were you dying to get out? <laughs> it's not about the event. The events naturally come when and in the excitement to join when you feel that valued, when you feel appreciated, when you know that your skill and your heart are in it because that's going to win it. There's just a big change. Okay, so kind of funny, but I have to ask. So how many of you out there have think about work culture as just adding in a few more bean bags or ping pong tables? And uh, hey, Shelly, do you wanna wanna answer that maybe? 
Well, you know, it's great. I have a great story in the book. And um, Stephen Childs, who's the um, human resource officer for Panasonic Automotive, um, he did, it, you know, basically he co he comes to the conclusion that culture isn't beanbag chairs and ping pong tables. And, you know, I think it's Google that, you know, that put out that this is what we're doing to attract the best. We have beanbag chairs, we have nap pods, we have, you know, ping pong table, you know, all this kind of stuff in there. But the thing is, if your boss sucks and you don't feel like you're valued or you don't feel like you're listened to, yeah, that ping pong table may be great for a 10, 15 minute break, but it's not going to change about how you feel about going to work. So, you know, culture is so much more than that. I mean, yes, it's great that you got employee perks. It's great that you have a cool coffee bar they can go make their own coffees at or or whatever the perk is that, you know, of the moment that's going out there. But that's not culture. That's just, you know, a nice little thing that's setting us apart in a different way. You know, like another little here's a little sunshine moment in your day when you're here. Enjoy it. But, you know, you don't stay for those things. You stay for when you feel valued. You stay when you feel respected. And you stay when you feel invested in so that you're growing and you're developing as that employee. And, you know, <laughs> that's the thing is like culture isn't a one and done. You can't have this big employee meeting and say, hey, we're announcing our new culture today. And you do this big rollout. Maybe you give it a fancy name or a title and you have a big party and then nobody ever hears it again for six, eight, ten months. And then at the end of the year, you look back and go, oh, well, why has our culture not changed? We had a big new initiative, but culture is something you have to talk about every day. You have to keep it in the forefront of your decision making. It goes back to those core values that I was talking about. The decisions that you make are based around those values. Those values have behaviors assigned to them. And that goes to that accountability that we're all agreeing that we're going to live these behaviors and we're going to make decisions based on those values and behaviors. And if we don't, then somebody's calling us out and telling us we need to get back in line. We're, you know, like this is not what you agreed to do. This is what I need from you if you're going to be a great employee here. And, you know, that's top down and down up. It's not just, you know, at the top level looking down. These values and these behaviors are exhibited at all levels inside the organization. That's when it becomes truly invested in the inside the company and people begin to realize, hey, this is what we're all about. This is this goes to that vision that we were talking about, that leaders have a compelling vision, the why you do things. And when that vision is built because you've got input from all your employees at all different kind of levels, it's going to be a vision that binds everybody together, that everybody is bought into. And that's going to help drive it that much farther, that much faster. I can't agree more. In my little setting as a teacher, I work with little humans, big humans, and older humans. No, no offense. That's, that's all me and my job coaches. <laughs> the point is we all have that value that we want, the appreciation, the how many positives to any negative. Like we have all this data. If I don't set up my classroom as a place where they want to come in and work a hard job, let's get it. I mean, every student has brings their own challenges. And we know that education has this interesting mixed bag because they show up every day and they we are hired by parents to do a good job 
with their kids. And when you think about it with a perspective like that, the kids come first, which is good and challenging because then the needs of someone else will start to overtake. And then as the teacher, if I'm not appreciating everything that I can see from student to job coach or paraprofessional, I'm inadvertently not appreciating them. So there's a really interesting time to, to feel this, this up with. And if there's been a, um, I would say a history or a back culture of something, and as you're coming in and can see it and are, and are changing things for the betterment of the people, just even within your classroom, maybe within your department, things can spread. But it is a culture and it takes time. And I'm so guilty of many, you know, problems. There's, <laughs> you know, I'm forever learning as well. But now in it, in this unique leadership position, I read books like yours, Miss Chelly, very, very seriously, because my bottom line are human beings. And that makes that makes a huge difference. I'm not saying other companies don't have a human line bottom line, but it, it's there is a a product that we are producing that goes beyond. And so the storytelling, the connection, how we are doing this is just vital. So I love your book, and I appreciated being one of those. I got I got the sneak peek and got to add my few little bits of coaching to this particular book. So it is really really phenomenal. Okay. I've kind of blabbed a minute, but I want, I want to, to, I want to piggyback off of something you okay. said just real quick, Go for it. because you know, your classroom setting, if you think about it is almost like a workforce. And it's exactly like what we were talking about is because those kids show up every day and they bring their baggage with them to the classroom. You don't know what's happening at home for them. Do they get breakfast? Are their parents fighting? Do they have a loving environment? Is somebody uplifting them all the time? Or do they just feel like, you know, no one even knows that I'm here. So how they show up every day, you know, you, you have no way of knowing what I'm walking into that classroom every day. Same thing's true in the workplace. You don't know what's happening in somebody's home, you know, behind closed doors, and they're going to show up at work the next day. And you talk about you as the leader, you think about that as a leadership role. You know, how hard is that, that I have to adjust my coaching, my leading for each person, and it's going to be different. That requires the leadership role to go over and above, you know, and, and I think that's something that, you know, I don't think that's overreaching to ask leaders, if you're going to be in this role, if you're going to be responsible as the person saying that I'm going to help guide this group, that it's okay to ask a little bit extra of you that, you know, I'm going to have to dig deep and find empathy. I'm going to have to like work to make that connection so that someone trusts me enough to bring me in and let me know what's going on. You know, that's one of the biggest things in the workplace is do you trust your coworkers? Do you trust your supervisors? If the answer to that is yes, then your culture is on the right move. But if people answer that in the negative, that know that there's not a high level of trust, then you know that's an area that you really have to work on because if they don't trust you, they're not gonna share their thoughts with you. They're not gonna share concerns with you. They're not gonna share ideas with you. 
And, you know, that's going to end up festering on. And then the other thing is we as humans, you know, what's the one thing that we can all agree on is that nobody likes change, right? We want to know how something's going to be when we show up. The kids want to know when they come in that classroom, I'm going to go to this desk. I'm going to do this at 830. I'm going to do this at 10 o'clock. We're going to go have PE or recess or whatever it's called these days. I'm going to have lunch. I'm going to have a snack and then I'm going to do more work and then the bell is going to ring and I'm going to go home. Same thing, same thing at work. We're going to show up. We're going to punch the clock. We're going to do what we need to do. We're going to take our morning break. We're going to do lunch. We're going to come back. We're going to have an afternoon break. And we're going to wait for that proverbial bell to ring. And we're going to leave and go home. And so when you start talking about we want to build culture, we want collaboration between departments. We want people to communicate with each other. We want to do team building. We want to invest in you. We want to help you reach your goals. You know, it's, it's going to take some work on that leadership role if you haven't been in that kind of environment for them to trust that what's coming out of your mouth is actually what's going to happen in that workplace. And so it is very true. It is an investment of time. And it's also that, you know, you've got to put the proof out there for people to see. And that's why I said it's so important that when you do these kind of things, that it's not launched as a one and done. It is something that becomes a continual discussion inside that classroom, inside that workplace, inside that club, organization, whatever it is, that this is the commitment that we're making to you, that this is what we're going to make sure that you see from now on. And when you do that and you do it consistently, you can see big results. Amen. I mean, that is so, so, so true. Thank you so much, Shelly, for that great reminder. Leaders out there, please take this very, very seriously. If you would like to see change happening, um, uh, looking in the mirror. Oh, that's you. That's you, leader. And so you can do it. And Shelly's book, Culture Secrets is a huge awakening to know how. And you'll probably be surprised that you might not have to change everything that you're thinking. It's probably going to start small, but with an impact that brings appreciation. And with that brings gratitude. And if you have that as a foundation, you have a great start. So, Jelly, tell us a little bit of this excitement about your book. Um, like, hello, bestseller. Like, what's going on with things here? This is amazing. Yeah, so I was tickled. You know, um, it, it launched, like I said, the end of April. Uh, found out about two days after it launched that it went international bestseller in three countries, the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. And we hit nine number one spots in business categories. And, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like, the thing that tickles me the most is like, like one of the, one of the categories that went bestseller in or number one in was workplace behavior. And then the other one is motivational business leadership. And, you know, that it is, that is, it's perfect to me because that's what we want. We want leaders to be motivated to make change. We want leaders who care about their people. So for it to be that and it be looked at as this is a way to motivate leaders to do these great things, or this is the way that we can change behavior in the workplace. You know, I, I mean, like I was over the moon, like, this is so right. Like you got this right, people. This is exactly what I was going for. And, you know, 
And I've just been blown away by the reviews that people have left. People are really taking it to heart. And, you know, the message is actually coming through. And I think as an author that, you know, that's one thing is like, you know, we have these ideas in our head. We know what our key points are. And you put this book out in the world and you're like, does anybody else get it? Do they really get it? And, you know, for me, being a professional also in the utility world and, and working with employees and doing professional development, for me, it's even more justification and more rewarding because the years of work that I put into what I do, you know, I practice what I preach or, or at least try to the best that I can. And, you know, I'm not perfect, just like no one's perfect and I'm going to get something wrong along the way. But my ultimate goal is to live by this, this, the secret sauce that we're talking about, these secrets to building great culture. And to hear other people say that, yes, you got this right. I see where you're talking about and I see where this is going and I can see the impact that it can have. Then that's just amazing to me. It's been such a fun journey to be on and, you know, continuing to see the book spread and the message get out there, you know, it's just been super exciting to me. It is. It is thrilling. So where can we grab this book, Shelley? So it's on Amazon, um, you know, easy place to get it. Culture Secrets uh, should come up or you can go to my website and you can find a link to it there. I think that's scrolling across the bottom right now. It's ChelliPhillips.com, um, you know, and and connect with me on LinkedIn. I, put, I share excerpts um, and, you know, because of my friend April and all of my podcasting experience with her, I started my own podcast based around this book. So there was a lot of information that wouldn't fit into the book that we now have the Culture Secrets podcast where you can hear interviews from some of these great business leaders, uh, some of the stuff that's not even in the book because we just ran out of space and it just wouldn't all fit, plus a whole lot of other little nuggets that have, have come up across the time. And so it's just been a great spinoff for that to be able to keep the conversation going even now that the book's out. Wonderful. Okay, you guys, if you want to be that leader, take a summer, change things that are going to happen. It starts with you. This can be applied in family. This can be applied in workplaces. It can be applied in education. It can be applied wherever you have that leadership and you want to see a culture that really re reflects that idea of people first. And if that is something you want, grab this book, share it with multiple leaders that you might have um, near you, Share it out there because there is something super important that we <clears throat> might be lacking in some leadership somewhere in the country or something like that. Anyway, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, it's super important that as leadership opportunities come, look at what you want, who you want to work with, because if you're there for 90,000 hours, that was the number you gave me, right, Chelly? That is it. Yes, isn't that amazing? It seems like a, a long time to be with people that, that that maybe annoy you or whatever. So let's change that culture. <laughs> let's get things moving in the right way. Thank you so much, Chelly. And everybody will talk soon. Grab her book on Amazon and um, tune in next week for the Beacon of Light podcast. We will have another amazing guest. And thank you all for your support. Please go and subscribe. Ring that bell whenever we come up here every Tuesday night. Make sure that you share this out for your fellow authors. Join the Lighthouse group and let's see what light we can amplify together. We'll see you all. Bye, everybody. Thank you.